Hello again. This is Series 17 of Satisfied. The Series 17 podcasts cover the Lifestyle Disciple Making blog series on MelanieNewton.com. Those blogs are adapted from my book, Leap into Lifestyle Disciple Making, available on my website as well as most online bookstores. In this podcast series, we'll learn how to follow Christ as His disciple and live for Him as disciple makers. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In episode one, we talked about our call to disciple making in our daily lives. The first phase of disciple making is connecting with the non-believers our God has placed around us. That is what we will cover in this podcast, which is episode two in the Lifestyle Disciple Making series. So let me start with a couple of questions. Do you know the Bible well, but have difficulty interacting with the non-believers around you? Do you depend on your church staff to teach each person who comes through the church doors and to reach the local community for Christ? If you answered yes to those questions, you may be a Christ follower in your personal walk of faith, but you are not living for Him as a disciple maker. You are depending on others to do that for you. That's not good. In the last podcast, you learned from the scriptures that Jesus commissioned his followers to make disciples for him. Every one of his followers, including you and me. He demonstrated how to make disciples while he was on earth. It was part of his lifestyle and he wants it to be part of our lifestyle too. In this series of podcasts, I will share with you what it means to be a disciple maker and give you helpful tools so that you can live intentionally as a disciple maker in your daily life. Remember I said in the first podcast that disciple making is a ministry lifestyle. It is not a program. It is mirroring what Jesus did with his own followers as he taught them how to connect with those who are not Christians and how to share the gospel with them, then how to establish new believers in their faith in Christ, and how to help them become disciple makers too. Disciple making goes beyond personal discipleship. We use the word discipleship to refer to the normal process for Christians to get established and grow in their faith. Listening to Sunday sermons, doing Bible studies, taking classes, and being in small groups, that is discipleship. The word disciple making refers to the full process of seeing people come to faith in Christ and grow in Him, discipleship, and being prepared to help others through the same process, disciple making. Christian women who are following Jesus can live intentionally to connect with non-believers, personally establish new and young believers both inside and outside the church, and then prepare them to connect with other non-believers and establish new believers. That is making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Who can do this? Every woman can become a disciple maker. Teens and college students, senior adults, singles, married, widowed, moms, and empty nesters. Take what you've learned already through discipleship and take someone else through that process. That's disciple making. Every Christian will not become a leader, but every believer can become a disciple maker and choose a lifestyle of disciple making. 
Jesus showed us how to do this. Disciple making starts with getting to know those around you who are non-believers. A non-believer is someone who does not know Christ yet. She may want to know him, but does not know how. She may not know enough about him to want to know him, but we know God desires her to know him. So if we look at those around us as women who want to know Jesus, but do not know how, we can have compassion and courage for helping at least one to know him. This will require us to be strategic in how we help her as Jesus was strategic. Let me share with you how strategic our Lord was. Throughout his three and a half years of ministry, Jesus intentionally went to places where the people were who needed to know him. And he did not let people keep him in one community to benefit from his presence. Reading in Luke chapter 4, we see evidence of this. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. The situation in the passage I just read occurred in Capernaum after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Notice what the townspeople wanted to do. They wanted to keep him from leaving them. They wanted to have their own community healer. Where is the concern for those in other communities who need his healing power? It was not there. However, Jesus knew that his mission was to go to other towns and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. He knew his purpose. As I mentioned in the last podcast, the call to lifestyle disciple making, we can get very cozy and comfortable hanging out with Christians all the time. That is like keeping Jesus to ourselves. We need to resist that temptation and understand that our purpose is the same as his. We are to go to others outside of our community and proclaim the good news of the gospel. Jesus intentionally went to those who needed him. Then Jesus built relationships with those who were interested and he was known as a friend of sinners. Listen to these words in Luke chapter five. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus recognized that Levi, who was also known as Matthew, was interested in following him. Jesus invited Levi. Levi said yes. Then Levi held a party and invited all his tax collector friends. His life had been changed and he wanted his friends to meet the reason. What a great excuse to throw a party. Apparently, Levi had a house full of co-workers. 
I always want to ask the question, what made them want to come? Tax collectors were known to be greedy, and they charged the Jewish people far more than what was owed. They were in cahoots with the Romans. All of that made them despised. But no one is beyond the power of the gospel. From Luke's gospel, we know that tax collectors had already shown an interest in wanting a new life by going out to hear John the Baptist and to get baptized by him. They were spiritual seekers. What did they have to lose? Nothing. They were already shunned by the religious community because of their lifestyle. Maybe not all the tax collectors who came to Levi's house decided to follow Jesus, but enough were interested in listening to him. If someone was not talking about God's true way of approaching life, how would they otherwise know? Luke chapter 7 verse 29 says this about those who responded to Jesus' teaching. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. And in Luke chapter 15, this is what it says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. This is what you learn in the Gospels. To those who wanted to know more about him, Jesus gave them more teaching. He even used tax collectors in his parables, representing those who knew they needed God and were seeking him, though the religious people avoided them. Besides Levi, Zacchaeus was also a tax collector who turned his life around because of Jesus. He was hungry for a different kind of life. Jesus met him there in his need. That is in Luke chapter 19. Jesus built relationships with anyone interested in him. And he invited people to join him in his mission. For some, that meant they were to travel with him. For others, they were to go back home and share about him with their family and neighbors. One day, Jesus was in a non-Jewish territory on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. While there, he healed a severely demonized man. How do you think the healed man responded? The same as you and I would. We see that in Mark chapter 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said this, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Of course the grateful man wanted to stay close to Jesus and hang out with the other disciples. That is what I would want to do. But Jesus gave him a mission. Go to those who have not met me and tell your story so they can know me too. The healed man obeyed Jesus and told his story, not just to one person, but to many. And all the people were amazed. I love that. Dear listeners, the evidences of human distress are everywhere around us. Women are in bondage to guilt, fear, destructive behavior, and fatigue due to the burden of responsibilities. The culture feeds them false views of God, leaving them feeling empty, confused, and without meaning and purpose. 
add to that any failure in relationships, which produces a sense of rejection, worthlessness, and extreme loneliness. Jesus Christ's plan to meet that need for every woman is Himself, and He invited you to join Him on that mission. Here is His invitation to you and to me in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Do you desire to be a worker for the harvest? I hope your answer is yes. You and I need to join Jesus in the mission to build intentional relationships with those who do not know Christ or do not know Him well. Jesus' example in the Gospels reveals to us that lifestyle disciple-making is an intentional relational process flowing from a love for God and love from God for people. Let us start getting ready for lifestyle disciple making with something simple, learning how to love people. Do you love God? Then you know that He loves people. That is why He came to earth to live as a human and become the sacrifice that makes it possible for us to have an unbroken relationship with our God who loves us dearly. You can learn more about this in my podcast series 12, The Gospel, God's Cure for Our Sin Disease. Because our God loves people, He calls us to join Him on mission to reach people who need to know His love. We enter into that mission when we consider what life is really like for those around us who do not know Jesus yet. Throughout this series, I will refer to anyone who has not trusted in Christ yet as a non-believer. The Bible describes non-believers as living in blindness and darkness. Have you thought about what life is like for the non-believers around you? Do you even care? I read this quote several years ago. It stunned me. This is what it said. If we are not careful, the busyness of life will lead to intentional blindness. Have you developed some intentional blindness to others around you? I know I have. In fact, I was recently ignored while visiting a new group of Christians. Two of the women who are leaders in the group introduced themselves to me, then turned away and spent the next five minutes visiting with each other. They left me just sitting alone at the table, a newcomer. It was awkward. That was intentional blindness. Is that how the non-believers in your circle of acquaintances feel? Who are the non-believers in your life? Where do you frequently see them? Start with where you are presently connected. School, gym, sporting events, coffee shop, work, family, neighborhood, retirement center, hairstylist, volunteer activity, book club, community classes, and your children's friends. Some we think are non-believers may be believers who have never been established in their faith, so their lives look like those of non-believers. Who are they? Where are they in your life? I hope I've piqued your interest, so now I will give you a tool to use to get started. It's called Pray and Love. 
Pray in love simply means you ask the Lord to make your love increase for the non-believers around you. Then you pray for them and begin an intentional relationship with at least one. Here is how pray in love works. First, ask Jesus to bring to mind one to two non-believers or unchurched women in your life. Consider those whom you frequently see or where you are presently connected. Put these names on your pray and love list. If you go to my website, you can download a pray and love bookmark where you can write those names. Number two, pray for each one whenever you think about her or see her. John chapter six, verse 44 says this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. So you can pray, Father, please send the Holy Spirit to work in the heart of whatever her name is, to draw her to Jesus so she will trust in him. That is his will. You can pray that. Continue praying that whenever you think about or see that person, envisioning the Holy Spirit working in her life to draw her to Jesus. Remember what drew you to Jesus and what triggered your need for him. Third, ask Jesus to give you his love and compassion for her and to help you understand what she is feeling and needing from him. What fills her time? What are her struggles? What concerns her heart? Think about her felt needs. Ask Jesus to make you want to step into her life, to display his love and compassion to her. You can say, Lord, compel me to love her well so that I cannot wait to be able to spend time getting to know her. Fourth, commit to make the most of any connection you have to build a relationship with her. Think of when and how you might get together with her. Consider what is convenient for her. What could you do together for fun? Plan a time to meet with her. Make good intentions become intentional and relational. But do not act shocked by her language or behavior. Love her where she is. And fifth, trust in Jesus to help you see where the Spirit might use you in her life to introduce her to Jesus through your relationship with her. Join the Spirit of God as you watch what He is doing. You can go to my website, to the Disciple Making page, and download the Prepare to Share booklet, which includes this pray and love process in it. Let me put in a word of caution here. Love her even if she never trusts in Christ or if someone else leads her to Christ. Do not let her think she is your project or another to-do on your list. She will see right through that and not trust your concern for her. The purpose of praying and loving is to draw them to Jesus. You represent Christ to her. Leave it there. Only God can give you his great love for that woman so that you want to love her well, to build a relationship with her, and to consider it a joy in your life to know her. A famous preacher of the 1800s named Dwight Moody said this, out of 100 people, one will read the Bible, the other 99 will read the Christian. She will read you. As she reads you, she will read God's love for her. Disciple making starts with our asking our gracious God to give us his love and compassion for the non-believers around us. That means you have to make room in your life. Like you, I am busy with stuff that includes my family, my work at home and outside, and my church life. 
I'm learning that if I do not intentionally reach out to one of the women on my pray and love list and make arrangements to get together with her, it will never happen. Weeks go by without any friendship building really happening. It is not just enough to think about it. You and I must actively pursue this lifestyle of intentional friendships with non-believers. I heard Pastor Chuck Swindoll say this in a radio broadcast. You must give up your convenience to reach people for Christ. That is so true for me. It is likely true for you as well. To be a disciple maker, you must leave some room in your schedule to get together with your one or two non-believers as often as possible. If your lives already intersect like sports teams or work or story time at the library, determine to sit with her at practice and at games. Ask her when she could meet you outside of work time or invite her to lunch after story time. Think strategically in the midst of what you are already doing. Show her that she has value to you and to God. As a friend of mine often says, love them until they ask why. Make room in your life, but you also have to get out of your comfort zone. Ask the Lord to give you a desire to get out of your comfort zone with other Christians and connect with non-believers in order to build a relationship with them. Jesus is our example for this also. One day, Jesus was invited to lunch with a bunch of Pharisees and lawyers. They deliberately placed in front of Jesus a sick man, and it was on the Sabbath day. Of course, Jesus healed the man, then proceeded to challenge the listener's concept of compassion, followed by a lesson on outreach. That is what caught my notice in Luke chapter 14. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I know Jesus was addressing the religious leaders' pride and lack of compassion but he was also addressing their comfort. It is just more comfortable to spend time with like-minded people, in our case, other Christians. It is not comfortable to be with those who are spiritually poor, crippled, lame, and blind. Jesus needs to kick us out of our comfort zone too. How many dinners do we host when we invite the spiritually poor rather than the spiritually rich? Personally, and in our church women's ministry events. Jesus continually challenges my thinking about this. We who are spiritually rich in Christ just need to do a better job of connecting with those who need to know Him. In order to be a lifestyle disciple maker, you and I need to commit ourselves first to Jesus as the sent ones. I am sent by Him to my world. You are sent by Him to your world. It means depending upon Him to make that desire in us so strong that we will see the ones He wants for us to befriend. It means purposefully giving our time, love, and energy to them as we live each day and week. That is lifestyle disciple-making. Who is the one Jesus wants you to befriend this year? Invite your close Christian friends to join Jesus on mission with you. Do this together. Where could you and a Christian friend go together to connect with unreached women? 
Jesus took his friends with him when reaching those who were outside his group of disciples. You are more likely to commit to lifestyle disciple making when you have a partner or two. I know I am. But here's the key. Stay Christ focused as you take the next steps. Disciple making is the Lord Jesus Christ's idea and commission to all his followers. What he calls us to do, he enables us to do through his spirit at work in us and in the world. Ask Jesus to give you his love for the non-believers around you and to help you understand what they are feeling and needing from him. Ask him to make you want to step into their lives as a means of displaying Jesus' love and compassion to them. Ask him to help you go from having good intentions to being intentional at building a relationship with at least one of them. As I said earlier, you can pray, Lord, compel me to love her well so that I cannot wait to be able to spend time getting to know her. Ask for courage, love, and whatever else you need from the Lord to be a good news bearer to the woman you just identified in your life. Pray for God to draw her to Jesus. When the Holy Spirit gives you opportunity to talk to her about Jesus, you need to be ready. We will talk about what you can do to prepare to share in a future podcast. But in my next podcast, I will share an easy way to get started connecting with newcomers to your church activities, many of whom are unchurched women who know they have a spiritual need but are not sure what to do about it. You can become a designated engager. Join me for episode three to find out what that means. Follow Jesus as you leap into lifestyle disciple making. Jesus' followers become disciple makers. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is series 17 of Satisfied.